0: Well, Hey everybody, Nate here. Welcome to the Essential Craftsman Podcast. Our guest today is Dustin Stelzer. Dustin is a master electrician in Austin, Texas, and he runs the Electrician U YouTube channel, which educates and creates a valuable content training other electricians and homeowner weekend warrior types like myself, all of the ins and outs of electricity. He has a really neat and what, what to me was a unique view of electricity as a whole, separate from the trade and the trade skills, but almost more centered around the way that electricity uh, in the physical sense interacts with our lives and technology. And I think you're going to really enjoy this uh, this discussion. So without any further ado, Dustin Stelzer of Electrician Here. Will you just walk through your career, kind of big picture for me, and then we'll dig in a little deeper? But I know you're deep into an electrical career that that probably started when you were, uh, you know, right out of school or something. I don't know, but could you kind of catch us up on on what your career's been like so far? Um, yeah, so I am. Electrician, you. Uh, meaning, I'm
1: an electrician. I'm a master electrician in Austin, Texas. So, um, I've been doing this for 14 years. Uh, before this, had a bunch of corporate jobs. I was in the Marines. I went to Arizona State. Figured out the college thing wasn't for me, but I've gone back to several different colleges because it's like, oh, I'm gonna go do art now, or you know, mm-hmm. I kept like the classes would interest me, so I would go and take some classes and realize it was like you know, $800 a month or something. And I'm a, a single parent paying child supports. So like I can't afford to go to college and work and keep a roof over me and my son's head. So, mm-hmm. uh, this came along. It was my, I was doing a tile job with my dad for an electrician and it was a buddy of my dad's. And when he came home, my dad was like, Hey, are you guys hiring electricians? And he's like, yeah, just go in and, and talk to the boss. And, I had never done anything electrical, but like, I always did work with my dad and did tile and, you know, like did roofing and put doors and windows and all kinds of stuff, uh, just as I was growing up and I went in for the interview. And, uh, like he was willing at the time to pay me 15 bucks an hour. So this was back in like 2000, like, fourteen years from now would be what, two thousand six ish, somewhere around there. So it's a really good wage for somebody that has no clue what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like, okay, this isn't a restaurant job anymore. Yeah. This is like something I can actually take care of my kid <laughs> and pay child support and keep you know, uh, rent at a place by myself. And like, it was just a really good thing. And then once I started doing it, I was like, this is rad. (laughs) Like it's playing with invisible energy Uh and it's dangerous. And like, there's an, there's like an artistic aesthetic to it. Um, I started out doing large scale custom homes. So like 8,000, 10,000 square foot homes. And it was also just cool to go like into a new house and there's like Ferraris and you know, like all kinds of just really, really cool stuff and see how that half (laughs) lives. You know, um, so there was just so much about yeah. it that like really, really intrigued me. And then we started getting into commercial work and I was like, whoa, there's like a whole different career here in doing commercial construction. Um, and then I started after a few years of that uh, company went under. So uh, I went back to waiting tables for like a year, I think, and I was still doing electrical Um, throughout that time. And then I went over to the service side of things. So it's just doing maintenance really. And that was like commercial and industrial. And I did that for a few years. That's where you really start to learn Mm. like what being an electrician is. It's not just installing wires in a house anymore. It's like Mm. motor controls and schematics and having to know code and electrical theory and all these different things that you just like, you expand your mind so much going into that kind of environment. and then few wow. years of that. So oh, is that ahead. just
0: because you're there's there's different types of things you're seeing and there was like more troubleshooting but I would have predicted like installing new systems you'd learn more but you're saying maintenance and service was more there was more going on to to learn.
1: Yeah, so think about it like this. Uh on a construction job you go in and for I don't know, maybe 4 months you're wiring the same one place every single day. And every day your job is changing a little bit because you have the very beginning boxing up and then you have like a week or two of just wiring. And the, But you're not really varying what you're doing. And then when that job's done, you go to the next one and you just repeat the same thing over and over. And usually a residential shop is just a residential shop. You wire homes, you wire mm. big homes, little homes, all homes, doesn't matter, homes, homes, homes. It's just the same thing. When you yeah. get into the, the service world, you're running into a new problem every single day, sometimes four to five problems a day. And they're all kind, like some might be houses. Some might be big box stores. Some might be like a big warehouse facility, like I've done stuff for Amazon and Sam's club and like Walmart. Whoa. Uh, so like they're uh they're manufacturer. They're not their manufacturing, what do they call it? The, uh, the place where it's like the main hu- the distribution center. So they've got like, you know, automated yeah. systems with like robots flying around and boxes going everywhere. Right. And so every single day that you go into a job, it's some problem. The only reason you get called in service wow. is because there's a problem. So you're always walking into a nightmare and you have no clue what's going on and you have to track and you're your like code.
0: Troubleshooting old work. You're like looking yeah. at other people's work and trying to like put puzzles together. And that's yeah. probably semi-complicated, huh?
1: Very. And you're, I mean, you have to pull the code book out every day and you're like, okay, never been to a big trucking facility before. What does code (laughs) say about this? You know, and it's just constantly having to know things. And then you're in forums asking questions because the people you work with may not have an answer for these things too. And, there's some really specialized equipment. There's a job that I'm going to um, in a few days where it's like a piece of uh, medical equipment that's like really highly specialized. I've never run into it before. I don't know anybody that ever has. So I'm going into this blind and I'm going to talk to the engineers on the phone who made this that are not even in our country. And I'm going to sit and diagnose this wiring harness and this special board that goes into this piece of equipment but it's just it's really you get up to a certain point where everything that you're doing is new and there's not a lot of people that have done this stuff before and you just have to figure it out so it's a whole different world on that side
0: wow so is this this is the company you're working for now and this is your kind of at the moment what you're doing this sort of um multi (laughs) this this service work is that is that this is what your day-to-day is these days did I catch that right Um, So (laughs) I do a
1: lot. I actually own uh, four companies and uh, I do consulting work for other companies as well. So I'll do actual project management. If there's a project that comes up and they need somebody to run it or at least just keep crews going, uh, I can come in and just Uh run a job. Um, But I have my electrical contracting company, Livewire, which is just me. I don't have any other employees, but it's my way of kind of filming out in the field and being able to talk about business content and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. Then electrician, you is my main gig. It's my YouTube channel. Um, that's the one that, like, I, I guess I'm known for. But that's where most of my business sure. comes in. Um, and then I have some uh, wow. tool belt, some like workwear stuff that I'm starting to develop. Um, I've got some educational content that's like continuing education for people in our trades and like coursework and things like that. So there's a lot that I do. Um,
0: you mentioned master electrician a few minutes ago, and I always I understand a journeyman is someone in the process. Is is a master electrician like an, a certification? Like kind of a, is it kind of an official something that you earn, or is there just in every state different? Or do, or do people after kind of doing enough if long enough sort of just become a master by default? I, I've always wondered how that works in the journeyman program and what the uh, benchmarks are. You know, as a person is starting out, and then can you kind of explain that and, and fill me in on that? So really,
1: a master electrician is nothing special. Uh, It's just a journeyman that has taken the, the right tests and the right insurance policies to take the liability for hiring people and training them. So it's really, I'm just a journeyman that instead of working for somebody anymore, I wanted to have the ability to go and work for myself. So it takes more liability. You need to be responsible for what you're doing and people you're hiring and stuff like that. So they make a much more difficult test. Mm um it's a little yeah. bit more obscure there's a lot more calculations because you're the last line of defense you don't have a boss to ask anymore so you need to know more you need to be tested yes. more rigorously and and just take on more liability but essentially I'm just a journeyman <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> well i guess i guess the point is a journeyman is is fully capable to do i guess as much as they know how to do yeah. uh, but a master has accepted more responsibility would be a way to describe that it just means I worked with yeah. um I'm sure you've worked with after at this long just some guys who are just so smart. Electricians are always seem have always come across as just so smart because I truly still don't even hardly know what electricity is. And the guys who are who get it and explain it, it's just it's like blowing my mind. So anyways, e- among elite level electricians, is there like a big gap between skills or is it pretty much you know you're you're installing to code? And we all know the code, and so done deal.
1: You know, that's a really, really, um, Oh, that's a, that's a like a loaded question. <laughs> so the people that I've worked with that I think that I respect the most are the ones uh-huh. that that passion to learn have never gone away. And they're like 60 uh-huh. and they've been doing this for 40 years. So, you know, like I, I'm a master electrician, sure. And a lot of people watch my stuff and, and they think I know a whole lot, but really I've only been doing this 14 years. So like, I'm still pretty wet behind the ears compared to a lot of guys that are hitting retirement age that have been in this for longer than I've even been alive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So when I when I say that, I think some of the best electricians out there are just the people that have not lost that spark. So it will be sort of, you know, they're still out in the field. They still mm-hmm. love running across problems and solving problems. They still love training people. They love this. They love all of it. Those are the mm-hmm. best. And usually the people that love this stuff yeah. that much continue to love it, for years and years and they instill that love of it into other people and they keep on carrying traditions and they end up having maybe having a company or being the superintendent at a company and they have a direct influence on a whole lot of people and they kind of bring a lot of people up with them. So a lot of really great companies are because there's a a couple of really outstanding electricians that have made a bunch of other electricians. Um, same thing with families, really, you know, wow. like you can have kind of a crappy family and it just spreads seeds through the generations, or you could have like yeah. an outstanding family. Um, but yeah. I think there's a lot of people that are doing this as well. I think in any trade, this is true. I think probably 75% of the people in any trade or job just hate their life and they hate what they do and they're just doing it for a paycheck. So yeah. that's no different than, uh, for electricians. It's just that the people that really know and that stick around, A lot of times they end up wanting to teach or they, because they love it so much, they like explaining what it is to people all the time. So they make great teachers. And I think people that teach are really great, uh, really great electricians. But on the other side of it, people that don't teach that sit out in the field and still love this are also still really great electricians.
0: At at what point, you're a great teacher. At what point did you find yourself kind of teaching and like sharing the things you learned? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it was pretty early after you started learning, uh, these things. Did you, did you kind of, at what point did you start, you know, sharing and teaching the things, you know, not all, not all electricians or tradesmen, tradesmen do that. Sometimes the approach is much more kind of trade secret oriented, but,
1: um, I think this as early as I could. So I'm a, I think I'm a rare case in at least in people that I've met, I've always tried immediately the second that I can get a license to, um, to get it right away. Um, And anytime Mm -hmm. I can qualify for something, I'm there, like I'm hungry chomping at the bit. So my first thing was in Texas, we have a license called a residential wireman's license and you can get it at two years. And it just means that you can run residential jobs and you can have a helper under you. Um, Can't do anything commercial, you know, like you still need a lot of observation because you've only been doing it for two years. Mm -hmm. Um, But at that point, I had also been doing side work for two years. So like every night, every day, every night, all day, every, you know, seven days a week, I was doing as much work as I could up until that point. So I had a lot of experience. I like to say that I had four years of experience in two years. Yeah. Um, So once I hit that residential wireman's license, um, I got a helper. And so at that point it was like, whoa now it's not just me trying to wrap my head around stuff. I have to like out understand other people so that I can re-explain something in a way that they can understand it. Uh And so I just, I think I always... The short answer is, I've always loved this enough that I've found it mm-hmm. so fascinating, and I was reading books about energy and, and all of that. So I was always sharing it with my friends around, but nobody cared because none of them were electricians, you know. Yeah. But I'm like, but like, but like, a motor turns, and it's like, you know, <laughs> generating electricity. You know, they're just like, who cares? Yeah. But once I had an apprentice, and I had my first pr- apprentice was actually um, who my video editor is right now. Um, but he was really intrigued because I was really intrigued. So like the more intrigued he was, the more intrigued I was. And we both like just got really excited together. So having a really good helper kind of made me want to be a really good teacher.
0: I can't remember. I I read this on Twitter and it's, there's conventional wisdom to this point, but it's something to the effect of, it's almost counterintuitive. You think you can learn a lot from like the old master who's been doing it for 60 years, but a lot of times it's easier to learn from someone just only a few steps ahead of you because the moment where they learned Whatever problem you're learning is so fresh for that person, whereas someone who's, you know, hundred miles past it, they almost have a hard time understanding. You know wh- why you c- a person couldn't get that. And so when I'm thinking about you, you know, getting your residential wireman's license and then explaining it to an apprentice, man, I, I have a feeling that was like some absolutely high quality learning for that fellow. Just bang from a good teacher who learned it a handful of years ago. And uh, that's pretty cool. I, I think there's something um, pretty neat there. I'll, and also on trades, you know, I know there are some trades where unfortunately the limit of things you even can learn is, at, well, I'll say there is a limit. For example, I don't know, maybe just finishing drywall comes to mind where it's it's very much like an art and it's very much muscle memory. And there is a lot to learn, but there's certainly not you know, 60 years of brand new information and new tech coming. So from that aspect, the world of being an electrician is is really cool. There's just unlimited, I mean, high voltage and low voltage and commercial and generators and mines and unlimited. it just seems like unlimited things to learn. So what a great career for someone who's oriented that way. I think so. Yeah. Uh, And I tell a
1: lot of my, my followers that um, if you're going to get into doing this, don't like, I think it's really valuable for you to, to be employed with somebody and be long-term with one employee or one employer that like treats you really well. Like there's no reason to leave for an extra dollar an hour, you know, like we need to have uh, the ability to stay and be loyal to a company. If they take care of you, you take care of them, you know, but <laughs> in electrical, there's so much to learn that if you yeah. want to be a career electrician, you're really stunting your growth by sticking with one company, regardless how good they are. And yeah. I think every great master electrician knows that. They know like it's in the best interest of my guys to get more experience. And most of the time, if you're a great uh, employer and you, you really take care of your people, they will come back. So uh, I think one of the things I have a, an older guy that um, has hired me like six times probably because I come back, you know, like I will go out, venture out, do something at all these other companies, gain a whole bunch of knowledge, come back, be way more useful because it's like I would have never learned the truckload of stuff that I had just gotten. And then you come back and none of those other people had learned anything different because they've been still at that same Kind of thing not that they don't learn anything different it's just you kind of get pigeonholed if you stay in one sector and every there's so much going on with electrical work that every company kind of has to have their niche And so there's so many niches everywhere in electrical, but I really, I tell people all the time, like if you go in the union, it's a really great thing because you get a lot of exposure. They can send you around to do a lot of different work and you're just becoming a better, uh, more well-rounded electrician and your limits to understanding what electricity is and how it works. Stay small if you stay small. And the more things you come across, the more you're like, oh, I understand it. Electricity, none of us know what it is. Like there's not this ethereal thing where there's this wizard guy out there on a hill somewhere that can finally tell me what electricity is. Like even electrical engineers have no clue. Like we ju- we just don't know. We have these theories and these ideas and understandings and particle physicists and, you know, there's there's just a lot of like little theoretical understandings of electricity. But the fact that we can't observe it, like there, there really is no knowing what electricity is. So you just get to a certain point where it's like, okay, I understand everything the best that I can. And the more experience you get, that, that just like it widens it um, and you get a better understanding.
0: Wow. So I got to wind that back because make sure I'm, I, I've always visualized or at least imagined electricity as electrons moving. I hardly even know exactly what that means. So what you're saying is at like the, at the, the real scientists people, there's not like a consensus or like a very clear, How do you say that? In other words, what you're saying is we don't actually understand exactly what electricity is. In other words, is that? Am I getting that?
1: Yeah. So let me let me rephrase that statement because there's going to be a lot of comments that are probably going to like flame this whole thing. There are a lot of people who have very different understandings of what electricity is. And uh-huh. these are all highly reputable people. There's uh, NASA scientists that I found that I watch and listen to them on Twitter or whatever. When they speak, I read their books. I read uh-huh. uh, uh, particle physicists, astrophysicists. I read a lot in the scientific community, but even in science and like in chemistry uh, books, you know, was, like everything that you read doesn't matter if it's actually a college level physics course. Uh-huh. They talk about what electricity is Differently, so some people uh-huh. think that it is an energy, and some people think that it is matter, and some people think it's matter energy okay, and yeah. we, we just we can't observe it you know it's like yeah. Uh, yeah it's like trying to have a conversation about God if you believe in God or whatever without actually you kind of just have to have faith in electricity really it's the silliest yeah. thing, yeah. but we can model things with it right like we can mathematically calculate and get values and we can measure something weird is happening here. And, and it seems to be repeatable over enough time. So let's just put this theory together and say that there's these little electron things, you know, like that's, yeah. that's our best guess as to what is happening.
0: Yeah. That, you know, there's two other things come to mind where that have the same sort of, um, situation that I, that I've heard one gravity. Someone was explaining to me at a high level, gra- they there's a, they have people have scientists, you know, Physicists have a really hard time understanding how gravity works. And I'm thinking, well, large matter attracts uh other mm. matter to it. And that's obviously just like the dumbed down way for yeah. you know, elementary <laughs> kids to understand it. And actually flight also. And I, I could be I'm way out of my lane and somebody, yeah, might be flaming me, but I heard someone talking about how that whole concept of lift and how it goes over a wing, how at the high level that's there's a lot of questions about how in the world that actually works. And so isn't that funny? Like almost the more you know about something, it just actually becomes a little more mysterious at times. And, and like electricity, and it's funny because the confidence is actually backwards. Whereas the the people who know very little can often be the most confident about what's going on and what they know. Whereas even among the trades, you know, sometimes the guys who are the very best can be the most humble and the most, I don't know, yeah, just humble and kind of like. I don't know everything about this trade, whereas someone five years in might just be, you know, total cowboy. I'm, I know it all. Isn't that funny? (laughs) Yeah.
1: If you, it's really funny too. Like if you look into the physics community uh, specifically, I read a lot um, from a lot of different areas of, of the science community. But when you start talking about like CERN, they have the large Hadron Collider, you know, they're colliding like particles and trying to make particles explode to see if we have more fundamental particles inside of these Uh, protons and neutrons and things like that but there's so much that they don't know but they are there's like billions and hundreds of billions of dollars being funneled into this organization for these scientists to try to figure out what are the building blocks of life and of reality you know like Mm -hmm. we're at that level but the more complex they get the more minds are a part of this project and the more they all disagree (laughs) I have no clue what's going on, you know, like the whole Higgs boson, there's supersymmetry, there's string theory, there's all of these opposing ideals that are just as sound. And it's just like, you're right. It's like the more complex we get, it's like fractally we're getting less accomplished. You know, it's like the childlike understanding of the way life is, is probably the easiest and and just sticking with that. Like sometimes I think dogs are far more fortunate than us. They don't have language to confuse them so much.
0: Yeah. So about ele- about in the world of electricianing, let's say, what parts or, or zones or quadrants of the industry are you kind of the most interested in or excited about or learning about or would you like to um, learn more about that, that you haven't ventured into yet?
1: Um, so there's some things that I am working on uh, technology wise to change the kind of technology electricians have at their disposal to be able to go out and do their job. Um, one of the things I've noticed as an electrician is there's a lot of guesswork. Um, there's a lot of, when, when a customer calls us a lot of time, they'll be like, Hey, a breaker tripped, will you come out and help me figure out what it is? And I get out here and they've already flipped the breaker back and the problem's not there anymore. And it's like, okay, I mean, you want me to charge you 150 an hour to walk around your house and like look at things (laughs) or, you know, you should have left it in the state that it was in, or there's just weird values and there's things that, that are not, um, there's there's things that are not really being recorded and a lot of the uh the ways that we view electric electrical is not in a visual kind of way and i've i'm learning through making videos that if i can put animations to really difficult concepts it like puts this light bulb on people's head and i think if we had more graphical interfaces and ways to uh interact with electricity things that showed us um some some better data I think we could all be a lot better at our jobs and do, um, just do more. I think homes are capable of, of having a brain in them. Businesses are capable of having a brain, having real time diagnostics through test equipment, being able to, I don't want to say too much because there's a lot of stuff I'm trying to develop, sure. but there's, yeah. I think like the, just the, uh, for us to be able to do our jobs, I think technologically where we are at with virtual reality, AR, uh, Um, artificial intelligence, I think is like a really crazy, unique place. Um, anything with blockchain, there's a lot of blockchain developments that are being happened. So I'm really curious to see where, um, all electronics and electrical components go. Once we start addressing every single thing in every building and everything has an address and an ability to be in the internet of things, I think just our our world technologically in the next five to 10 years is going to look so scarcely different than what it looks like now.
0: Oh, that is so cool. And it's such a the overlap there's such an overlap between this you know the trade of uh, being an electrician and working in this space and all of this technology that you just rattled off and it's people may might not it's easy to kind of not think of those two in the same you know um sentence but they really are you know our our homes and and the equipment and computers and everything we use on a daily basis is it's it's plugged our our home and electrical systems are plugged directly into that same network so it it's actually now that i think about it a little surprising that the home let's just say home residential home wiring hasn't actually changed too much over the last 75 years maybe it's like not aluminum wires anymore but yeah interesting you know like cars are loaded with computers now helping giving you alerts and sensors and everything and that's not actually that doesn't happen in my house right now. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> well, and there, there's a certain line, right? Like we the, it sucks to work on cars now because of yeah. that. you know yeah. like if I were an electrician 30 years from now looking at a smart home like we're talking about, I would probably want to come and kick me in the knees for even having this conversation, yeah. right? It's like, no, let's leave it with just normal wires, normal breakers and walk away. Yeah. but the smart technology that's happening is not going away. You know, like yeah. this device is getting way more and more enhanced as we go. So the way that I see the future happening is I, th- I think a lot more things are going to go to a lower voltage, to a more sustainable kind of usage of mm-hmm. electrical, only really big things that require like uh, 220 or you know like really big heating elements and things like that I think everything's going to start lowering in voltage I think all of the the breakers and panels are going to be smart so they're like I think every breaker instead of having to have like an arc fault breaker and a ground fault breaker and a dual function breaker I think every breaker in a house being smart and having analytics inside of it to analyze anything that's happening in a circuit and then the entire panel itself having some kind of programmable uh, module that kind of automates uh, shedding loads and things just, I I think there's going to be way more tech going into this stuff. And if there's not, I think we're doing something wrong. (laughs) I I just think that that's the way it should be going, especially for commercial and, and, uh, industrial, you know, manufacturing processes to know what's going on with their power quality, um, to make sure that they're paying for what they're and getting what they're using because like a lot of big, uh, industrial and commercial places, there's a huge discrepancy between what power is being delivered and the dirtying that all of their equipment are doing to the power to make it so that they're really not getting very much power for what they're paying. And, uh, there's a thing called power factor and efficiency and everything, but there's things that you can do to bring a a site like back to the level. So they're using exactly what they're getting and it's not wasting a bunch of money and energy. But, um, I think just getting ever smart technology in the electrical systems, I just, I see that being where we're going.
0: Are, Are you in Austin, Texas? Yeah, it's so funny to hear you talking about this because if I had to pick one spot on the map where um, growth and development and tech and energy all like coincide, especially you guys have had um, some power issues um, statewide, you know, with weather and such. And man, you are like at the epicenter of of all these things you're talking about, especially with the uh, the tech moving there. What's going on? Have you seen uh, your town kind of blow up? I know it's been blowing up for a long time, but. There must be so much work there. First and foremost, just with all of these people, and second of all, all of these conversations about about technology are are probably going to have a lot to do with um, yeah, that that sort of you know, web or or uh, how do you describe these startup this kind of startup uh, what would have been Silicon Valley but just startup firms and people solving these problems.
1: That's kind of what we're turning into. So we have a second downtown that's being built that we call a domain. And every time you drive by it, there's like seven new buildings going up. And mm. if you drive downtown Austin right now, there's like 15 to 20 new cranes, like building tall buildings. And I remember when I got here, you know, I've been here for 24 years. So when I got here, you'd have one crane in the, in the sky and they're putting one building together. And then that was it for the year, you know, like you wouldn't see another crate in the sky. And now they're just like, Austin is booming, man. They're like cutting, they're gentrifying, you know, half of our city. They're just knocking poor people out, kicking them out, raising taxes and kicking them out of their homes so that they can make way for more and more of these upscale, you know, high urban developed places. But Austin is booming, man. We have so many people coming in. Joe Rogan just came here. Tesla just built a factory here. You know, like we just, there's a lot going on here and what is happening too is the politics of, of this city are changing a lot. So it's becoming kind of a crappier place to live in my opinion. I think that always happens, right? Anytime you have like this friendly, booming rad city, it just gets eaten up and everybody comes and turns it to a crappy place. And so there's a reason I'm moving to Colorado in two years, man. I just, I'm, I'm tired of being here really.
0: Like growing pains almost.
1: Yeah. And it's not like Austin has always had this small coolness, right? Like yeah. it was just, it was the chill place to be with these cool new opportunities. And now it's just like, it's losing its cool. And it's like everything has to be progressive and new at all times. And it's like there's no, there's no like keeping things a certain vibe. It's like everything has to just be new for the sake of being new and right. everything has to press up against some social issue. Right. It, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a, very different place to be two decades after moving here.
0: Um, Let's talk about social media because I'm really interested. You've been making videos and putting content up for quite a while and it's just blown up. You got a big audience and it's it's just amazing. What, what kind of got you interested in doing that? We talked about teaching, but there's a lot of work that goes into it that, especially at the beginning phase, it it takes a lot of work and I'm sure at some point you uh, were sacrificing, you know, time when you could have been making money to put these videos together? And how did you kind of get this idea to start making content online and what's your goals with it?
1: Um, so when I got my master electrician's license, uh, in 2016, I decided I want to start my own company. That's something I've been looking forward to just instead of making an hourly wage, actually making, you know, decent money. Um, And so I, I was trying to figure out ways to get my phone ringing, you know, like the first two to three weeks of going out on my own and like trying to put an ad on Craigslist and like on Angie's list and home advisor Mm -hmm. The phones weren't ringing you know so i was like "Shit! like i gotta do something maybe if i start putting some youtube videos out maybe some austin people will see it and hire me so i just tried everything i tried instagram like i followed gary vaynerchuk for years and he was a big influence in my methodology for how i present myself as a brand um but once i started filming everything it kind of it was like what i was trying to do was just show true transparency for how I was doing my business. Instead of talking to customers, I was talking to electricians. And I don't think I really meant to do this, but it was just like I would start doing something about okay, well this is the advertising I'm using and this is how I'm making a Facebook advertisement, you know, like this is how you target somebody on Facebook to make an ad and and like Angie's list really sucks. And home advisor is great. And don't use the, You know, I just started to kind of like make videos like this and a bunch of electricians started watching it. And so it became something that was really fun for me to do. The more people started watching it, I didn't really care about the customer aspect of it anymore. It was just kind of something within my community. And then I started to talk to one of the journeymen that I worked for uh, or worked under a long time ago, and he was just, we were talking about the whole skills gap thing. And it was for the first time, it was something I really thought about. And he was like, You know, somebody really needs to make like a podcast or somebody needs to start doing something about this whole skills gap that we have. And it's going to be the younger generation that does something about it. And it just got me thinking I'm like, I should, mm-hmm. I should like make videos that show electricians how to do electrical stuff because there's nobody out there doing that. And as I was coming up, I wanted visual like stuff to teach me like what does a capacitor do and what does a sine wave even mean and there's just nobody doing it so I was like screw it I'll just be the one that starts to do it and so I started a second channel called electrician you um, the first one was journey to master and I put one video on there about the test equipment that I liked and then I didn't make any other videos I decided to close live wire down I was just sick of doing the business side of it and I was sick of customers calling me at one o'clock on a Sunday morning, and you know, like I had hired people, so I wasn't even doing the work anymore. I was just doing estimates and s- taking phone calls. I'm like, this mm-hmm. sucks, man. So um, I just kept making videos, and then uh, Home Depot got a hold of me, and they're like, "Hey, we'd like to sponsor you and throw some tools in your hands, and we'll give you X amount of dollars for a full year of uh, of doing tool reviews for us." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa. like this this is a f- scam email, right? You know, I'm like, I had a buddy of mine read it, and I'm like, is this for real? But that." They flew me out to New York City and there were some other influencers out there that I got to meet that were doing this as a
0: full-time job. And I'm like, holy
1: crap, like you can really make money making YouTube videos? And these
0: people were making like Did lots. you say you had one video up at that point? Is that, no, did this you was you only my, had one video up? On this channel.
1: So I had Journey to oh, Master okay. and I think uh, I, I probably had like 30,000 oh, okay. followers on that channel.
0: Okay, I understand, I understand, got it. But
1: they weren't interested in that channel. They were interested in this because they saw me holding tools and they saw all the positive, the views and the positive like comments and everything. And they were like, let's, let's put some like Milwaukee stuff in this kid's hand while he talks about stuff. And so it just, I don't know, it, it blew up at that point. I started taking it seriously. I got to, when we went to New York, I got to meet with like Facebook and and Pinterest and Instagram and all of these, you know, YouTube. And they were like, here, this is how you make it big on our platform. You do these things and you do them consistently over a long time and people will care about you. (laughs) Okay. So now I'm a YouTuber.
0: That's it's just amazing. It's, it's so funny how, what can happen with just like kind of sustained effort? Made a lot of videos over a long time without anything really magic happen. Then all of a sudden, bang! There's a there's a reaction, and it's. I, I talked to a guy a couple of weeks ago who was talking about it, and he said, separate from in his business, he's getting calls from clients and stuff. But just even the the network of like I'm imagining you. You probably met a lot of other electricians and learned a lot from viewers chiming in and such. And even in that in the niche of electricians, you have Quite a name for yourself at this point, simply from putting out information and things that you already knew. It seems like, like people, tradesmen should be doing this to me. I know whether they have a long term plan of building a big audience or whatever, but putting content online is a, a very low cost and low risk investment with that can really have some cool upside, you know, for, for them. that it's hard to foresee.
1: Yeah, I think the passing down of knowledge from a generation to another generation is what the trades are, have that's so valuable that a lot of things don't have. You know, A lot of things you, to be able to learn, you have to go to college and spend six figures just to be able to sit at the yeah. table and talk to somebody to start learning a craft. But this, it's like, no, you just go out in the field and you strap up, you pay maybe 150 bucks, get some cheap tools and start out. Yeah. And you, you know, you get treated like a dummy for a little while, but cause you are, you know, and then you yeah. you just start building your knowledge base and you're getting paid the whole time. You're getting paid to screw yeah. up and learn stuff. So I yeah, I just think the constant passing down of knowledge is is the thing that needs to continue happening. And you're right, you mentioned earlier. There are some people that want to keep the knowledge and not give it away. There's some close groups, uh, trade organizations, things like that, that don't want to share knowledge with anybody else. They want to keep everybody in their own bubble. There are people in positions that are threatened that other people coming up will take their position away. There's always going to be that everywhere you go. Right. But by and large, I think what the reason that most people watch me is because I just give everything away for free. I know I've been doing this for five years. I'm only right now trying to figure out like, how do I pay my bills with this stuff? Like I need to start monetizing. Maybe I come up with courses, you know, like I'm just now thinking about it. So me giving away knowledge for free, giving away everything for free has just always been the way that I do it. But I think that's why I have the audience. It's not a gimmick.
0: Yeah. Well, how, how would you recommend, let's just say for an electrician, but it could be any tradesman that you know setting up a camera or filming yourself under your boss on your boss's time or in a client's house that seems kind of tricky to to be able to do that and there may be someone listening who would really like to do this but just that act of like getting out a camera is a kind of a a hurdle so how did you do that how did you find time to you know honestly spend the energy and time on a job site to film without you know, taking time from your employer or creeping out your client, how would you advise someone to do that?
1: Well, first and foremost, the man that I worked with that gave me my first job was not an insecure man. So he did not feel threatened that this 22 year old kid was taking the pictures of the work that he was doing every day and afraid that I was going to go out and compete with him who had been doing this for 30 years, you know, like that he didn't have, he didn't, he wasn't afraid of me and he nourished me learning. So when I got excited about something, I wasn't taking pictures to go and try to get work from other people or do, you know, there was nothing nefarious about why I would take pictures of what I was doing. I would take pictures of some pipe that I ran and it would be like, like so good that I would want to show him the pictures and be like, dude, look at this. <laughs> yeah. This is amazing, right? And he'd be like, no, it's absolutely terrible. Yeah. But like, you know, keep keep working on it. <laughs> so he was just never an insecure person. Yeah. But I understand there are companies out there that feel extremely threatened at all times from all of their employees jumping ship, taking pictures, going to another company. And I think the bigger yeah. you get, the more you start worrying about petty stuff like that, because it actually yeah. can have a huge effect on your business. But more realistically, I wasn't doing anything to show the world what I was doing really until I got my master electrician's license. I would take pictures of some cool cans and I <laughs> I actually got in trouble, man. I tell my audience about this. I almost got my license taken away and my like ineligible to ever be an electrician again, because I was Whoa. out doing side work and I was advertising it on Craigslist and you can't do side work. If you're not working under a master electrician who has insurance, it's illegal to do work. Not in every state. Like some States have, they're like still right. the wild West, but here in Texas, And I knew better and every electrician knows better, but there's not a damn electrician that's not out there doing side work, bro, every day. (laughs) So I was stupid enough to start taking pictures because I was doing fantastic work, man. Like I do really (laughs) beautiful lighting in these really high-end homes. And so I was putting stuff on Craigslist and I was getting calls left and right. I had so much (laughs) side work lined up, man. I was rolling in money. And uh, (laughs) then the state, I just get something in, in the mail and it's a letter. That says, uh, it's, it's my exact ad. They printed the ads with all my pictures and everything (laughs) just to like, stick it in front of me. And they're like, if you don't stop doing this, uh, actually they didn't even say if you don't stop, they said immediately stop. Um, there's going to be a hearing on whether or not you can be an electrician anymore. And there's going to be severe punishment for this um really they just scared me and drugged me out for a year and i kept calling and i'm like look i'm i'm actually a journeyman electrician i'm not somebody that's just fly by night doesn't know what i'm doing like you know i know i shouldn't have been doing it but i kept checking on them and kept checking on them and finally they were just like don't worry about it just don't do it again but they were scaring (laughs) me for an entire year so after that point i was like bro i'm not doing anything on the internet i'm not showing (laughs) everybody any pictures of anything i'm ever doing But once I got that master license, it's like, that's all I, you know, I I just started from then on out.
0: Yeah. Cause then it's your job site and it's your time. And once you have your licensing is in order and there's nothing to hide, then it's just a matter of putting yourself out there and being open to criticism. I, I say that only because we, I know from putting content online that no matter how beautiful it is, there's some amount of (laughs) criticism or critique that kind of rattles in. So that's just kind of part of it.
1: (laughs) But I think too, if you're working for somebody, I think that as an employee working for somebody else, it's your job to have a great relationship with your employer. Yeah, You know, I think it's up to you to show up every day and be somebody of value enough for your employer to actually really like you and want to keep you around. It's their responsibility to put that same kind of effort in, you know, it it takes two, but I've always tried to be a a very respectful employee and somebody that will absolutely take all the overtime shifts, take the nights, the weekends, anytime you call, I'm there, whatever you need, dude, I got you. And I'm always going to do my best to take care of your customers and do the best quality work that I know how to do. And so I don't like, I think just being that person, everybody I've ever worked for, they, I'm not a threat to them. They just know if he's taking pictures of his work, it's because he's prideful of his work. You know, it's like, he's really proud of what yeah. he's doing. There's no threat there. But if you're out there trying to get yeah. work and using your boss's jobs to try to like get, like put ads out saying, this is my company. That's a whole different thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the personal like this this is the skills of communicating with your boss and being open and humble and learning are so important and critical. And I I can think of a few guys who are really good at their trade but had a hard time almost working with other people. It seems like. Do you have any like insight on how to advise people to? I don't know. Get along better, or you know, tradesmen can be. The pride in work is a great thing, but it can also like head to conflict when people have different ways of doing things. So, how do you think about that?
1: Okay, so I'm a little bit different than most people. Um, I I always preceded every interaction that I have with people with respect. So it's always respect first. Once you start to disrespect me, I am going to match your level of dickishness at all at all times. <laughs> Because it's like, that's what you're putting out and I'm going to give it back to you as a mirror. And the funny thing is, is most of the time when you do that, it forces that person to see that change in you all of a sudden. And it's like, oh, there's something I'm doing and they're basically mirroring back to me what I'm doing. But you have to be careful with it. So like I've worked for people that are really just assholes, you know, like really just uh, kind of like belligerent in their anger towards people. and these kind of people have extreme egos. Usually they, they, they want to feel like they know everything. And there's a reason that they act this way towards other people. And so you have to start kind of learning each individual. Yeah. And once you start to be around them enough, you're like, Oh, they're really insecure about this, this, and this. And that's why they flip on a dime and start screaming at people or, you know, you gotta be smart and you just have to learn these people. And you, if after you observe people enough, you start to understand what, their good sides are too. So you understand, okay, well, if I make this person feel like they're the top dog at the company and I'm a student coming to them with advice all the time, they're not going to see me as a threat. They're actually going to kind of like take me under their wing and they're going to try to show me wisdom because I'm treating them like they know so much. I'm feeding their ego sort of. And that's just always worked for me. And if it's somebody that like it knows a lot that's a jerk and they speak major like the majority of spanish and they don't speak as great at english there's usually a language barrier which makes them be an asshole and it, the, the, us like not know what to do I just start trying to speak Spanish and I ask them how to like, how do you speak Spanish and how to, you know, like start asking about their culture and like, yeah. and like asking them about their food. And if they'll give me some of their food for lunch. I don't know, just caring about them, really just caring yeah. about what's important to them makes, it takes the edge off of them and it makes them see you yeah. for you rather than see you as this person that they got to dump time and train in. And they're tired of asking or you being asked questions. You know yeah. what I mean? You got to come to them as a person. Yeah. It seems to
0: work. It's awesome, Dustin. I love your energy on this. This is this is a really cool. Hey, let me ask you one electrician question that I've always wondered, and then I'll let you go about your day. But and I maybe I should have prepped you for this. If if it's not on the tip of your tongue, no problem. But is there a difference in how conductive a solid copper wire is and a stranded wire of any given size? A
1: difference in is how there? A re- why are? would I
0: pick? I was just buying some twelve gauge wire for a long run. There's like stranded and solid. Can you tell me as a, just a homeowner what the difference is there?
1: Well, a lot of conductors, uh, you can't bend a conductor at a certain point if it's solid. So having the ability for it to be stranded makes it a lot more flexible. So there's a lot of times like, uh, you'll see like out at an electrical service, we'll put a Copper ground rod, and we'll use like a um, a number six or a number eight solid conductor, and say solid yes. wire, you know what I mean. But anything bigger than that, like you can't you can't physically bend it, so the code doesn't allow right. us to use anything like that. So um, instead, we might just use stranded. But there's really no situation where you would have to worry about conductivity unless you're talking maybe at like an engineering level. And I have no idea about like the surface area of what's yeah. going on on each one of the strands of the conductor versus the whole conductor. But there is something called a skin effect and, and having a solid conductor versus a stranded conductor can affect where the current actually uh, flows down that conductor. So current uh, in certain situations does tend to reside and flow on the outside of a conductor and not in the middle of it. And so there's the same reason why like a, uh, a transformer might have uh, little laminations around it. Instead of having one solid piece of iron, they cut it up into smaller pieces because the magnetism inside of the thing. Basically, it just allows current to travel differently. But I think anything that we're talking about with like home wiring, 120 volts, like it's really not going to matter that much if you use solid or stranded.
0: In other words, it might conduct the same. And the way you explain that makes sense. Why, if the electricity is running on the outside of the conductor, and maybe maybe there's differences here. But if it runs, if it's running on the outside of the conductor, I could see who cares then whether it's solid or stranded, as far as the electricity is concerned. Is that? Am I getting that?
1: Yeah. So I mean, think of it like this: if you've got uh, if you've got one big solid conductor and current is traveling on the outside of it, and there's not so much traveling on the inside. It doesn't really matter in like low quantities, small wire. But in bigger quantities yeah. and bigger wire, it does matter. So if you are if you have stranded conductors, the, the actual strands inside of there are each their own conductor. So each one of them essentially is going to have current around it. Now that's only up to a certain point. It's still going to start to spread out to the outside. So that's not To answer your question, that's not really the reason why we do solid and stranded. A lot of it is just different types of wire, and that's how it's manufactured. Or a lot of it is because it needs to have flexibility, so it's much more easy to manufacture, and it's much more easy to handle if it's stranded versus if it's solid. I don't know if you can see that electrical panel right there. Yeah. So a a conductor is is just a thing that conducts a lot of people um think wires are the only thing that are conductive but those electrical panels actually have buses on the back of them and they are a solid conductor each bus is essentially a piece of wire that's that's shaped like a big rectangular like you know rail um so if there was some reason why we should do stranded or solid i think that like you would see stranded in a lot more situations a lot more things but it's actually quite rare for us to use stranded conductors um like overseas they use a lot of like cable assemblies where everything is stranded that they run and they run like pre-manufactured cords that have everything stranded um but most of what
0: we use is solid conductors here was there one thing about elect say becoming a master electrician that was hard for you to kind of get and took a while and then it finally clicked like what what part of this trade for you was something that just took like re- repetitive like instruction before it clicked, or or did you just kind of soak it all up like a sponge?
1: No, there's still parts. Um, there's still things that are outside of my level of understanding, or things that I have incorrect assumptions about. Um, uh-huh. That when I'm talking to somebody or working next to somebody who is like you know 30 years my senior they're able to break things down and it's like holy crap I've been thinking about this like all completely wrong you know. Um, but really electrical theory is, is the thing. So trying to understand how capacitors work and how inductors work and how current flows in uh, you know like a, a transformer or things like that like it was really hard because I'm a visual learner. So I like to understand things by drawings or animations or diagrams so I can actually see it. But I think there, um, there's a lot of people that are like really into math or they're very linear logical thinkers that things don't have to be necessarily be visual for them to understand them. So just the nature of this being so theoretical and the fact that we can't observe electrons, trying to understand how electrons work, um, electron theory, how it all flows and how it makes things open and shut, and you know, like all of that stuff is still, is still the thing that I understand the least.
0: Hey, you've mentioned, and I know we can't see electricity, but when, when we're watching an arc, like let's say in an arc welder, is that just the light from the electricity traveling or what, what is, or like lightning, you know, what, what, what do we see when we're seeing electricity in a spark or an arc or lightning or something like that? That's, I get, maybe that's not the electricity, but what is it?
1: Yeah, it's not electricity. So what you're seeing is either the molecules, because air is made of all kinds of stuff. You know, there's actually things we just don't see air, but but in air, air can be conductive if it can conduct a path from two different things. And so it's literally just igniting something. So if you think about, um, a light bulb, like an incandescent light bulb, well, that light is not a light. It's something that we make so hot that it glows to produce light. Light is just a byproduct of us sending so much electricity through matter that it kind of ignites matter, you know, like there's um, yeah. high pressure sodium lamps, you know, those really big street light lamps, there's an arc in between them, there's a whole yeah. tube and it's just igniting something chemically and it's making a chemical reaction and that creates a glowing effect. But it's not as, uh, huh. it's not as like mystical as people think, you know, like what electricity, what electricity actually is, is a bunch of different phenomenon that we put together. So uh, the way I try to explain it to people is saying electricity is like saying dirty. Like you can't observe a dirty, right? Dirty is, is multiple different things happening to create like your shirt being dirty. There's like this particle and there's this wetness and there's this bond and all the stuff's like holding it together to make this, what we call dirty. Electricity is the same thing. It's, you know, like there's all of these particles, there's positive and negative. So within every piece of matter, there's already something that's electric in nature. And then we have the movement of these particles. And then we have the fields that surround each one of the particles. And it's a completely different thing than the movement. And then there's the fields that move as well. So it's the particles moving, the fields that are moving, the charges, you know, there's so many different things. So when we say, what is electricity? There is no good answer. It's a bad question. It's what fundamentals, what angle of electricity are we looking at? And we do say the traveling of negative electrons back and forth is what we call electricity, but there's other, you know biology chemistry, there's things where the the, the protons move, and that's still electric current. It's just uh-huh. positive electricity. So there's just so much, man. There's so much to know that we can't <laughs> honestly we cannot honestly say that we know what electricity is. That's what I mean when I say that. God.
0: This is too cool, man. I absolutely love this. I love your uh, your energy on the topic, uh, so to speak. Can't thank you enough for joining us. And we will link to your... I, mean, I know you're on YouTube, of course, and you're on Instagram. Is there anywhere else our viewers can uh, go to find your material?
1: Um, yeah. So if you search Dustin Stelzer on LinkedIn, uh, I'm on there. I'm on Twitter. Um, on the TikTok, starting to try to figure that whole addictive, nice. crazy place down. Um, but really where I spend all my time is, uh, Instagram and YouTube.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. Thanks Dustin for coming and joining us. I, you are, you're my go-to, uh, I, I, I like learning about electricity, like at turtle pace and you're the guy I go to, um, to, to kind of do that. And hopefully in like 50 years it'll click and I'll get it, but I don't (laughs) yet. So hopefully it will (laughs) for
1: me too, bro. All
0: right. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time.
1: All right, man. Peace out.